Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. In the Christmas story, I think the characters that have always been the most fascinating and intriguing to me have been the wise men or the the magi. Their visit is recorded here in Matthew chapter 2. It says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Uh, One of the interesting things about the Magi here and their connection with the Christmas story is they're really not connected with the birth of Christ, or at least their visit is not. Um, You know, many people kind of have this picture in their mind of of that day when Christ was born and the shepherds, as we read about, they, they come there soon after the birth. But the wise men don't come until some time later. These, these magi just kind of seem to come out of nowhere. Uh, the, and, and the term magi is really the, the Greek term that's used there that's translated as wise men. And uh, there's a lot, of, you know, a lot of mythology and things around these wise men that come to, to see the newborn king. Uh, for instance, the Bible doesn't tell you that there were three of them. Uh, that's something that comes from tradition. It's kind of usually based on the idea that there are three gifts there, but the fact that there are three gifts doesn't mean that there's only three wise men. And, and that's something, it's really even kind of a later tradition. If you look at uh, early, you know, early depictions in art, for instance, of this visit of the Magi, uh, some, of the, some of the pictures will show three of them, some will show six or twelve or, or, you know, all kinds of different numbers of the wise men. 
And, uh, you know, tradition has made up all kinds of things about these wise men. It's even given names to them. Um, they are, are uh, often referred to by the names of Balthazar and Melchor and Gaspar, the names that are, are given to them, and those names may differ a little bit uh, from, you know, different countries and different languages. But, uh, again, that, that stuff comes out of tradition. And somewhere along the line, somebody connected the, the three, supposedly, three wise men with the, the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the idea that one of them would come from each of those lines. Uh, one of them is a European, one is an Asian, and one is an African. And uh, that's usually how they're, they're portrayed. Um, again, they, when it describes them here coming from the east, they were probably all Asians. They, they were not, you know, Orientals, Middle East, uh, probably from the area of Persia. Um, the, uh, there, there probably wasn't a, you know, a European and, a, and an African there. Uh, they, and, and also the Bible never calls them kings. Uh, that again comes from tradition. The, the, uh, visit of the wise men in church liturgy came to be associated with uh, some prophecies back in Isaiah and other places where it talked about kings coming to Christ. And, you know, so when you sing the song, We Three Kings of Orionar, it doesn't call them kings anywhere here in Scripture. It, it calls them, uh, again, magi or, or wise men. And that word magi, uh, we get not only our word magic from that, but also the word magistrate uh, comes from that as well. And the, the magi, if you put a mark here in in Matthew uh, chapter 2, and go back to, uh, go first to Jeremiah chapter 39. You don't really know a lot about the Magi from the scripture, just these couple of passages we're going to look at that maybe give you a hint at who they were, and then we'll talk a little bit about some some uh, historical things, things that history record about the Magi. But uh, in, in Jeremiah chapter 39, uh, there's some things going on here in Babylon. And Babylon would be one of those areas that would be to the east. You see these, these magi come from the east, and that would be one of those areas that is to the east of, of Israel. Uh, in Jeremiah 39, verse 3, it says, And all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle of the gate. And it begins to give these names. It says, Even Nergal Sherezer, Samgar Nebo, Rab Mag, or Rab Mag, I'm sorry, I skipped a line in my Bible, uh, Sarsekim, Rab Saris, Nergal Sherezer, Rab Mag, with all the residue of the princes of the king of Babylon. Now, if you look at where the commas are there, it might seem like there's about maybe six names listed there, but it's probably actually three names that are listed and three titles. Uh, the first man that's listed is named Nergal Sherezer, and when it says Samgar Nebo, that's probably his rank, and, and he appears to be a, an officer, a, a military officer. Um, then it says Sarsekim Rabseris, and that term Rabseris means 
chief of the eunuchs, you know, the, the kings in these palaces, they would have these eunuchs that, that served the king. And uh, it's, it's probably not, again, probably not two separate individuals there, but probably that Sarsechim is the chief, Rob, the chief of these eunuchs. And then Nergal Sherezer, Nergal Sherezer, there's two different men there named Nergal Sherezer. I must have been a, a common name there in Babylon. Um, and it says Rob Mog, which is chief of the Magi. Okay? With all the residue, it says, of the princes of the king of Babylon. Go back to Daniel chapter 4. That title that's used there, chief of the Magi, is very similar to some things that are said back here. Verse 7 It says, then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. Right? These are various people that serve the the king of Babylon there. These magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, soothsayers. And he's he's relating here um, how he had told his dream to them. They could not interpret the dream. And in verse 8 it says, but at the last... Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Before him I told the dream. And as he goes on to to, uh, talk to Belteshazzar here, um, which which is Daniel's Babylonian name, he refers to him as the chief of the magicians. He's also, it's also in chapter 5, verse 11, speaking of Daniel, it says, There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of thy father light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar thy father, the king I say thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. And so Daniel here is referred to as being master of the magicians. And you see that that was a title within Babylon to be the the chief of the magi. And so if you're wondering where these these eastern uh, magi would have learned anything about the Hebrew Messiah, it probably goes back here to the time of Daniel. And... um, very likely that Daniel would have taught some of those prophecies to these magi. Now, the the magi were involved in things like looking at the stars. You see it it mentions them here in connection with astrologers and other things. And, And they notice a new star in the east. Now, it's it's most likely that the star probably appeared when Christ was born. In fact, if you go back to our text in Matthew 2, just notice some things about the, the time element here in Matthew. Uh, you see that Matthew 2, verse 1, begins by saying, now when Jesus was born. So all these things in chapter 2 are taking place after he was born. It says... When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. And so it it is likely that these wise men begin their journey at the birth of Christ and they're arriving there at Jerusalem sometime later. Now there's a lot of speculation about this star 
that they saw. Uh, different uh, astronomers have, you know, they can, because the, the movements of the heavenly bodies are predictable, they can go back in time and, and try and look for different events, just natural events that might have been taking place in the heavens at that time. And different people have identified this star as being different things, a, a conjunction of the planets and other things that would have been notable to somebody who was familiar with the sky. You know, we, we today really, we, we don't spend a lot of time outside at night. And when we do, there's a lot of artificial lighting around. And we aren't, we aren't that familiar with the, the skies, not like even just common people would have been back in this day where, uh, you know, if you, were, if you were a shepherd or something, you spent a lot of time outside at night looking up at those stars and got to know where things were. And if something new showed up, you, you recognized it. And these men, who, these, these magi who were trained to look for those kinds of things, certainly would have noticed that. But the scripture isn't clear exactly what it was. Some people speculate it may not have been a natural event at all. It may have been actually uh, an angel or, or something that they saw. And angels in scripture are associated with the stars and, all, and sometimes are even referred to as stars. Um, that's, a, that's a possibility. But these wise men come and they come to Jerusalem. Now, uh, just some historical things here about these magi. These, these magi, now they were, they were religious leaders in Babylon, later in Persia and Media. Uh, by the way, the, the Medes, the people in the Bible that are referred to as the Medes, those people today are known as the Kurds. When you hear about the Kurds in, in Iraq, the Kurds are kind of spread out in, in three countries over there. You have Kurds in Iraq, you have Kurds in Turkey, um, and, and uh, those are the, the descendants of the Medes. And the Persians would be modern-day Iran, okay, that, that's the Persians. That's the area where these magi come from. And the magi were religious leaders, but they also came to be political leaders. In fact, Daniel, you see there, Daniel actually served under, under two separate empires, Daniel served under first the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar, but later under the, the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians under Cyrus and Darius. Okay? And, and Daniel kind of, kind of bridged that period between those two empires. And the Magi came to have a position not only of, of religious leadership in that area, but also of political leadership. And again, that's something that probably would have begun with Daniel. These magi would have existed before the time of Daniel, but um, but Daniel, you see, takes the the leadership of them there at the the kind of in the waning days of the Babylonian Empire. Uh, they came to have a, a political leadership, and and just like. You know, many places where religion and politics are mixed and religion and the government are mixed, it becomes important because religion is often a stronger motivator for people than what politics is, that the king have some kind of religious-type mantle. All right, you, you see this in many, many countries even today 
where uh, when, a, when a king is crowned, I, I can guarantee you when uh, Prince Charles today, when he is crowned as King of England, they will have a religious ceremony associated with that. And it gives this, this religious mantle to, to that. Well, it was the same thing in that day. And these magi came to be the king makers. In fact, they were the ones in, uh, in, among the Parthians, which would have been kind of a later, a later uh, version of the Persian Empire. Under the Parthians, the magi chose who the king was going to be. Somebody couldn't rule as king without... The, the choosing of the Magi. And so here at, at the time uh, of Christ's birth, when these Magi come, the King Herod knows who these Magi are. He knows what their, what their position is in their home, and he knows they have that power to make kings. So when they come looking for this king, that's a, that's a very troubling thing to Herod. Now, Herod, uh, he had gotten his position. Herod was kind of a puppet king of Rome. He ruled over Israel. He wasn't even an Israelite himself. He was an Edomite. But um, he had bribed and even murdered his way into that position. And to have these, these people coming from a foreign kingdom, these people who in their own home have the power to make kings... And to say that they're looking for this newborn king of the Jews is a, a very troubling thing there to Herod. Now, when the Magi come, they come to Jerusalem because if you're going to go into a foreign country to look for their new king, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the capital city. You're going to go to where the palace is. You're going to go to where, where the king sits on the throne. And they go there to Jerusalem and... Uh, Meet with Herod. Now, the, the thing about the star here, notice that it says they saw the star in the east. In verse 2, when they, they come to Herod, they come and they say, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. By the way, that doesn't mean that the star was in the eastern part of the sky. What it means is that when the wise men were back in the east where they lived, they had seen the star up in the sky. And, and notice when you come down um, to, to verse 9, it says, When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And verse 10 says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. It doesn't appear here that they followed the star all the way from the east. It, it almost appears like the star wasn't there for a while. They saw it in the east. They come here to Jerusalem, and as they leave King Herod, they see the star and they have great joy again. It says that the, the star um, stood over the, where the young child was. And this is possibly as much as two years after the birth of Christ. Um, remember later on when Herod is going to kill all of the, the uh, young boys there in that city to try and kill this child that the wise men were looking for, he, he's going to kill those that were two and under, right? So he's trying to make sure he, he gets them, you know, gets 
gets uh, this one who's claiming to be a king, and he kills all of the the boys that are two years old and younger, which kind of gives you an indication about what the span of time had been. See, Herod was very interested of the wise men to know, when did you start seeing this star? When, you know, And apparently they had seen the star probably about two years before that. And so that's those are the, the babies that he's going to kill. The, um, the star, uh, again, people who take the view that this star was an angel will point to there where it says that it, it came and stood over where the young child was. And, and uh, you know, they'll point out that stars, while stars move in the sky, even during the course of the night, um, it, it's kind of difficult to see a star directly above where the where the child is. But remember, they go to Jerusalem and the scribes tell them the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem is a almost like a suburb of, of Jerusalem. In fact, today, if you go to Jerusalem and you drive from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, you won't even be aware of the fact that you've left one city and entered another. Okay, they're very, they're very close together. And um, uh, Bethlehem is, is just right near there to that city of Jerusalem to the, to the north of Jerusalem. And, and the thing is, again, because we're not as, as uh, familiar with the sky and how to navigate by the stars and things, you know, we maybe read that and say, well, how could, how could they know that a star was directly overhead? Uh, actually, here's a, a case where the tradition kind of rings true. And again, who knows if it is or not, but the tradition is that when the, when the wise men came into Bethlehem, that they stopped at a certain well. And they, they stopped there at the well to draw water. And as they looked down into the well, they saw in the water at the bottom of the well the reflection of the star that was up in the sky. And because that, that well is dug down straight into the earth, that allows them to see that that star is directly overhead. And so it need not be necessarily a... You know, again, something that's that's just obviously miraculous, like an angel being right above the house where he's at. And and according to the tradition, that well was right in front then of that uh, uh, place where Christ was born in the in the uh, stable there. And uh, that's you know, with when you're navigating by the stars, you can't necessarily tell where you're at from east to west but you can tell where you're at from north to south and as they came to Jerusalem it's very likely that they could have known they were at that right place um, again by what that tradition relates now again that's tradition that's not scripture but it's at least plausible it's at least a plausible tradition unlike some of the other traditions about the wise men and they come there and they bring those, those gifts. They have the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And the two, two of the, gold, two of the, the uh, gifts are, are very understandable and very uh, practical gifts. They bring gold. And, you know, gold, whether, whether these magi knew it or not, but gold throughout the Bible is associated with deity. And, uh, 
Uh, here they bring gold to him. It's probably that gold that was able to finance their flight into Egypt to escape Herod. Okay, but they bring they bring gold. That would be a fitting gift for a king. Frankincense. Frankincense is something that was used in the in the temple. Uh, it was incense that was burned there in in the uh, temple in in honor of God. And the burning of incense symbolically represents the uh, the prayers of the saints. It tells you that in the book of Revelation, but. Uh, they bring that gold and frankincense, but the myrrh is kind of a strange thing because myrrh's most common use was to be used as a as an embalming uh, spice. You know, it, when when Christ died and was laid in the in the tomb, uh, remember I talked about they brought brought these spices and they would wind those spices in the grave clothes. That's what myrrh was for. Now that's a pretty strange gift to give to a little baby and a strange gift to give to a king. Of course, we know in, in hindsight, and because we have the testimony of Scripture, we know the significance of that myrrh, that right here at Christ's birth, he's presented with myrrh, that thing that's associated with death. And that uh, is just a, a, a revelation of why Christ came. He literally was born to die. And you see that here with with the uh, the myrrh being given, um, like I said, it mentions how how the wise men were warned not to go back to Herod, and also Mary and Joseph are warned to leave. And it's probably again probably that gold that they used to finance that flight into Egypt so they could escape the the uh, destruction of the innocents there at that city of Bethlehem. And these magi go back to their country and you don't hear anything more about them. And so here you have these Gentiles. You have these Gentiles who somewhere hundreds of years before this, somebody had told them, and, and maybe they had copies of the Hebrew scriptures and that kind of thing as well, but they learned of the Messiah and they were looking for the Messiah and the only thing that, that uh, Herod was looking for the Messiah for was to kill him. The scribes, you see the scribes there, they knew where Messiah was going to be born. They knew he was going to be born at Bethlehem. They could have known, had, had they been studying the scriptures, even that the time of, of his birth, time of his coming, was near at that time. But they didn't appear to be looking for him. They had to be commanded to come there before the king and and explain where Messiah was going to be born. And yet you have these Gentiles that come and they're looking for him, these these magi, these wise men. And it's been said that wise men still seek him, and and that very much is true, Um, that, that wisdom, Jesus Christ, is the wisdom of God. And you see in him and in his life and in what he accomplished, you see the wisdom of God displayed. Um, to, today, uh, you know, we, we, if, if these Gentile wise men here were willing to put, really put great cost and effort there into looking for what revelation they had from God. See, they had some revelation 
And they were seeking to be faithful to that. We who have so much more revelation from God and that we have his completed word, you know, they, it's likely these magi just had a, you know, a few, a few basic teachings from the word of God, but we have his completed word. And to seek after that and seek after that, that wisdom as these wise men did and uh, to, to uh, seek to glorify him is really what the Christian life is about. And with that, we're going to, we're going to have a, a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, again, for the, the birth of your Son, and we thank you for the privilege that it is to proclaim the truth about him and what he's accomplished to the world around us. And uh, so we, we thank you for this time. Pray that you would use this to glorify your name and glorify your Son. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.